Well, we're in the Gospel of John, and we're coming toward the end of it, and we now have Christ and his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, where we know that for a few hours, Jesus prayed before the son of perdition. Judas betrayed him, and then he was taken to the trial and to the cross and to the grave the next day. This particular passage, John 17, is the prayer that Jesus prayed. It's often called the high priestly prayer because Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples specifically, and then he prays for us. He prays for you and me. We pick it up right in the very middle of the prayer in verse 14 for our scripture reading. This is Jesus speaking, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. And the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. There are many themes that are in this particular prayer. This particular prayer that we can only speculate that John himself heard because he was with Jesus in the garden, although there's a sad thing happened. It was such an exhausting evening that some, if not all of the disciples, kind of dozed off. They fell asleep. They couldn't watch and pray with Jesus through the night. Now, it may be that they had had three courses of wine at the Last Supper. It may be that they had had a hearty Paschal meal. It may be that they had had a nice walk in the fresh air across the Kidron Valley. And any number of things can be 
testimony to that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But under the inspiration of the spirit in which Jesus had just promised that the spirit would bring all things to their remembrance, the apostolic memory is renewed and restored and we have the prayer of Jesus. And it's a remarkable prayer. Jesus first prays for himself. He prays that the Father will clothe him again with that splendor that was his before the foundation of the world. That glory which belonged to Christ before he emptied himself of his divine prerogatives and came in human flesh to bear the sins of his people in his own body and be that sacrificial lamb. He had left the splendors of glory and come to earth. And now he was longing for that day soon when the Lord would restore him to that place of glory. They had seen him in his humility. And he longed for them to see him in his glory. To vindicate and verify that he was who he said he was. All along, and that is the very Son of God from the bosom of the Father come to earth to save a sinful humanity. The hour had come, the time in which all of these things would take place his death, his burial, his resurrection, and shortly after his ascension when that glory would be manifested. Jesus had accomplished the work that he had come to do. He also prays for his disciples. It's interesting the way he refers to them. These are the men, at this point, 11 men. These are the men that God had given to him. And Jesus had done with them With that trusteeship, what the Father had asked him to do. He had, in effect, accomplished his mission. He had taught them the word of the Lord. He had brought them to paths of obedience. He had been with them, teaching them, loving them, showing them guarding and protecting them. And not one of them was lost. Here's the language again of the shepherd. He had shepherded these men. Only one had been lost. And that was the son literally of lostness. The one who went his own way and rebelled and did that which was vile in his heart and had betrayed and turned Christ over. Christ was very aware that the moment of betrayal was imminent. But he looked to the eleven nearby and he said, there they are. They're yours. You gave them to me and I shepherded them. I cared for them. 
I protected them. You selected, Father, by the way, this passage teaches divine election. You selected them from the world, out of the population of humanity. They became yours by election, and you gave them to me, and I have ministered to them. I have kept them. They've kept your word. It's interesting to me, of all the themes, there's a theme here, if we were going to just sort of divide this by themes and follow through, there's a, there's a theme about the Word. That is, the Word of God was given to Christ. Christ is the incarnate Word. Christ shared the Word, the message, the Gospel to His disciples. And then we also see the theme continuing in the disciples' Word will go to others and others will preach to others and there will be a generational faith. The mercy of God will be proclaimed to a thousand generations. And there will be those that will believe on Jesus because of the word, the testimony of the disciples. There's the theme that you have sent me that we've seen all through the gospel as we've studied it now this solid year. They believe that you have sent me, Jesus said. They know that I'm the one sent from heaven. There's the theme of glory. As we spoke just a moment ago, there's a glorifying. Jesus manifested and glorified the Father. He prays the Father will glorify Him. There's a passing on of this glory to His disciples. There's a theme there that can be developed. There's a theme of sanctification that's mentioned. Sanctify means to set aside, to set apart, to consecrate for a particular purpose. When Jesus refers to His Father here, He uses two adjectives describing two of the great attributes of the Father. One, He calls Him Holy Father. Later in the prayer, He calls Him Righteous Father. Holy Father is that incommunicable attribute of God in which He stands absolutely unique. I am the Lord and there is none likened to me. He is separate from His creation. He is separate from all other gods and all everything that can be named. He is different. He is unique. He is apart and transcendent. He is holy and entirely other than everything else. The holiness of God also is God's purity, His absolute pristine uniqueness and perfection. But there's also righteous Father. Righteousness is a communicable attribute of God wherein He's able to communicate and share with His creation this righteousness. And absolute righteousness is the Father and we have that righteousness communicated to us by the work of the Mediator. Here Christ is always talking about the Father and humanity. The eleven men and then the others that will believe on Him because of them. That's the group. And there is this mediatorial work. There's one mediator between God and man. 
And that is the man, Christ Jesus. And that's what He's done, is a, a mediation. He has shown them the Father. He has brought the Father to them. Now His great mission is to bring them to the Father by His saving and atoning death and resurrection. He even says here, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. He says, for this sake, I consecrate myself. The word consecrate is the same word in the Greek as the word sanctify. It's the hagios word group. It means to set apart, to separate, and to devote. The Lord has devoted Himself to the devotion of His disciples. He has determined that it's the plan of God that He will bring many sons to glory. And then there is the theme that you see of unity, of oneness. It's not oneness in absolute identity, but it's oneness in purpose, oneness in heart, oneness in character. There is a perfect and an absolute unity in the triune God between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And here the Father and the Son is in view and their relationship to one another. And Jesus somehow wants His people, His disciples, those that have been given to Him out of the world, He wants them to share in some aspect of that unity. And He even calls it perfect oneness. To be one in Christ does not mean to be identical to one another. But it does mean to share that which is Christ. In its authenticity, we each grasp it and hold it. Regardless of generation, regardless of nationality, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of Christian denomination, there's a oneness in Christ. There's just one people of God. And that is that group that the Father has given to the Son. And for whom the Son lays down His life. Redemption is specific. It's particular. Then there is, and this is what I wanted to preach on if I had any time. There's the theme of the world. Did you notice that? Actually, we didn't read the whole, the whole prayer. We read a good portion of it in our call to worship, and then we read the second half. But 17 times in this prayer, the, world, the word world or the expression the world, in the world, of the world, is used. And that's really what comes down to us is we are of the earth earthly. We are bound to the planet. We are made of the dust of the ground. We are made in every way to live upon the earth, to breathe its air, to drink its water, to consume its food, to use its resources. We're very much bound to the cosmos, 
to the creation. We're very involved in the human race. Our progenitor Adam from which we've all descended, we all have the DNA. We've got the same stuff. We're all made pretty much alike. All of our differences are superficial within a tiny margin of statistical error. We're earthly. We're in the world. But that's what Christ came to do, is to redeem and to save that which is in the world. He's come to us in our humanity, in our weakness, in our dependency, in our frailty, in our sin, in our fallenness, in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our pathetic lost estate. God has come in Christ in the flesh to redeem us, to restore us, to revive and resurrect us. And so he prays. He's come into the world, but he knows he's leaving the world and moving from terrestrial to celestial. He's going to the right hand of the Father in short order. But his disciples and their descendants and their descendants and their descendants down 20 centuries to this congregation. Those people that God has given to Christ out of the world. That's us. We are that people. And He prays that we'll be protected and He prays that we'll be preserved. Not that we'll be just snatched out of the world, but that we will be preserved and protected in the world. And He's refers specifically to our problem in the world, and that is that we're in the domain. We are in the kingdom of darkness. We're in the middle of Satan's thraldom. It is the evil one that is our enemy, and he seeks to destroy everyone, starting with the first pair in the garden. He has tried to destroy homo sapien, humanity which was created in the image of God and glorified God in the garden and in the creation. And Satan is an enemy, a vile, wretched, lying, deceiving, murdering, destroying, stealing enemy. And the Lord knows that's where we are. We're down here in the world. We're not to be of the world. We've been sanctified, set apart, called out, and handed by the Father to the Son to receive eternal life. This is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. We're unique. We're special. We're His people. We're the true image bearers as we take on the image of Christ and are conformed to the image of Christ who is in the image of God. We glorify God on the earth and Satan hates it. And he despises it and he's dedicated his whole serpent-like existence to putting his fangs into us. And on the cross, the Bible says those fangs got into the heel of Christ, bruising, poisoning the heel, but the heel crushed the serpent's head. And here we are between these two worlds, that celestial, that heavenly, that divine, that eternal, that splendid place and existence from which Christ 
descended and condescended. And we're down here in this domain. And he's come to save us from it, to rescue us, to deliver us, to move us through it. But we're here. We're stuck here for a while. And while we're here, He wants us to be His. We belong to Him. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. We're to glorify Him. We're to serve Him. To love Him. To follow Him. To worship and adore Him. We're to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. Forever. 